Thanks for joining us at Reveal, a Jesus-centered community. To learn more about us and what's going on, check us out on the web at www.revealvineyard.com. We hope in the minutes to come, you're able to find God, find others, and find yourself. Thanks again for listening. Well, we are sadly, I feel, on this final week of our series called The Comeback, uh, where we have been celebrating the God of the comeback. We have been celebrating uh, new opportunities, the creator of new beginnings, of new life. Uh, If you've ever been overlooked or written off or uh, passed by or left for dead or faced insurmountable odds, then uh, we wanted to remind you that we serve a God who has a history of overcoming the odds. And we serve a God who has a history of bringing dead things back to life because we just celebrated Easter, right? Get ready because I'm going to hit you a week after Easter with it. He is risen. Yeah, so we don't have to just keep our Easter celebration to Easter. The resurrection continues to roll on. And so during our series, we have highlighted a, a story, a comeback story of people within our church, someone who was stretched beyond their limits, someone uh, who was on the brink of disaster, men and women who found themselves up against a formidable foe, and yet in the midst of their tension, uh, the comeback king stepped in and began to turn their setback into a setup leading to their comeback. And so we wrap up our series today with another comeback story. But before we show it, uh, I just want to remind you, uh, if you're new with us when you came in, you probably noticed the big cross on the wall when you walked in. What you may have not noticed are some of the phrasers. There's 10 of them uh, on that wall as well. And they represent the hills that we die on or the values that we have as a church. And one of the phrases on that wall uh, is leave the masks. And for us, leave the masks means that we as a community fight against the religious culture uh, that tells us to fake it. You know, the religious culture that tells you that when you're around church people, that you need to put on a smile and put on your Sunday best, and you need to fake it till you make it, that you need to put on a facade and let people think something that isn't true. That's just not who we are as a church. We, We value being raw and being real, and we... Uh, value leaving the mask. That means that we recognize that we're all on a journey, and in that journey, there's beauty and there's a mess. And so we want to uh, be a church that is real. To be the church community that we feel we're to be, it means putting our entire journey on display, even parts of the journey that are frustrating, painful, or parts of our journey that may even be difficult to tell. You know, after the resurrection... Uh, The disciples all saw Jesus, and they're all in a stir. And then there's Thomas, who's like, I won't believe it until I see it. And Jesus used his scars to validate his identity, right? His resurrection. He's like, Thomas, come take a look. Look at my scars. See, See for yourself. And I find it interesting that Jesus used his scars to validate the resurrection. And yet we in the church spend so much time trying to hide our scars and trying to cover our scars And in reality, maybe it's our scars that validate that Jesus is in us. Maybe it's our scars that say, you can see where I used to be. Look how far I've come. Amen? Amen. Our scars are what say, this is what life used to look like, but the comeback king started something in me, and I'm no longer the person that I used to be. So maybe, maybe in our church at least, maybe we should put our scars on display to say, it's okay to show your scars because you're not the person that you used to be. Amen. Leave the mask. Another hill that we die on, uh, this one's important to me, this idea that mercy triumphs over judgment. 
It means that as a church community, our leading step, our first foot forward, has to be mercy. It has to be mercy. The mercy that we desire to receive from God and from others is the mercy that we want to show to others. That means when faced with the dilemma of judgment or mercy, we want to show mercy. It doesn't mean that we ignore judgment. It doesn't mean that we're afraid or shy away from calling right, right, and wrong, wrong. It just means that we've decided to leave the judging to the judge who knows how to judge. Amen? Right? And so we want our leading step to be mercy. That means that if your leading step is judgment, you're probably not going to be happy around here very long. That's just the reality. Because one of our values is that we value mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, I say all this to set up the story that you're about to see. Because it is uh, raw. And it came with numerous conversations on the front end that um, were pretty involved. Do we or don't we? share this story? What does that look like? What does it mean? How is the church going to respond? And um, as their pastor, my first responsibility was to protect them because I would never want to put someone in a position where they felt awkward coming to their church family. And so the morning before we were going to film that evening, I sent them a text and said, and I was literally, I wrestled with it all that night. I sent them a text early that morning, about 4.45, and I said, maybe we should just cancel this. Looking out for your protection. I don't want to put you in a, in a position that's going to be uh, awkward for you. And they were on a walk together and said, we've already discussed it, and we decided that if it helps someone in our church, then we're willing to show our story. And uh, it's, it's, it, was a, it was a gutsy call and one that I'm, I'm, I'm proud of them for. Um, I told you in week one that our setback can either serve to be our prison or our platform. That really we, 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 we get a choice in... Uh, this idea that whether our setback of yesterday will remain our setback of tomorrow or whether our setback of yesterday will become our message of tomorrow. And uh, Eric and Jen decided that their setback of yesterday will become their platform, their message of today. And so uh, I'm proud of two revealers who decided to leave the masks and share with us their comeback story. Let's go ahead and run that, please. We were married in 1993. I was 19 years old and Eric had just turned 21. He was just what I was hoping for, a Christian man. He was in a Christian band. He played bass and he was awesome. And then we had our children very early as well. And I thought everything was great. I got to stay home with them, but things weren't as good as I thought they were. It's easy to fall into a, like a trap of living two different lives to, um, it's easy to fool people. It's easy to lie to yourself and to lie to people you love when you're when you're selfish, I guess. Um, I was, I was self-absorbed, but I put on a face and um, I did a lot of bad things. I, I cheated on my wife a number of times and I continued to put on a shiny face 
in the church circles that I was in. And I guess I sold it for a lot of years until finally I was caught and had to confess and then had to confess again because there was more. I thought I could get away with the first confession, but there was more. I hadn't really gotten to it. And it almost broke us apart. We talked, we talked about what do we do? It's easy to quit and to divorce and to deal with all that. Both of our parents had divorced. We knew what that was like. I couldn't even believe the words that were coming out of his mouth. They made no sense at all. But I swore at him that day. I screamed at him because I felt that he had ruined our lives. And not just our lives, but our children's lives. That day when I knew that I had to tell her, I've never, I've never been a suicidal person, but I imagine what it would be like to accelerate my car into a tree. Is that, is that a consideration? Is that something I should maybe think about? I mean, everything just unfolded. Everything just like sand through your hand. It was, it was slipping away. Um, We had a hard time talking at first. We had a, we, it developed into a concept we called the fort, where we sat together in our bedroom and just were more real than we'd ever been before with each other. And we kind of gutted it out. And the most reprehensible things you can imagine of somebody who is supposed to be your your husband and companion were coming out of my mouth and all the stories when you thought this was happening this was happening for years it's crazy it's crazy how far down a hole you can go and not even realize until you start to realize how far it is to climb back up I had just had the strongest feeling that we needed to work on it. And even though I always knew that if he cheated on me, that I would not tolerate that and, and we would be done. I think a lot of women think that. But suddenly I was there and it was so scary. But I felt so strongly that we needed to work through this. I needed to stick through it. All I can all I can it, it had to have been the Holy Spirit. That's, that's all. It, it had to have been. I didn't have that strength. I found a counselor who 
a guy that um, I think he specializes in PTSD, but he was his technique, his style was what it made a difference. Um, we needed to understand what what how this how we got to here. What was it in me that made it okay? Otherwise, it's going to happen again. And I, I'd for years, you know, repented and come back. And I'm gonna not do this anymore. I'm gonna be a new guy. It's gonna be awesome. And then it didn't work. The the confession to Jennifer and laying everything out is the only way I think that I could have started that. And talking to my guy who just didn't take any yeah <laughs> he was a good match for me Every, everybody's got their own road to hoe it seems like I say a lot but I don't understand how you could do it without being together in the same trench working it out I don't know how you could separate and I hope maybe for us it wasn't a good match to separate it wouldn't have worked. We worked intensely every day. <clears throat> I had my own counselor, like you said, and then we had our marriage counseling sessions as well. So a lot of counseling, a lot of counseling. Everything we were doing together suddenly, we, yeah. we were so close we're closer than we ever were we're suddenly the team that you're supposed to get when you marry somebody it's been almost five years since Eric's big confession we call, Our, we call it D-Day one and two discovery day one we are we, we named the different portions of our marriage um, 1.0 for the first, oh my gosh, I'm not going to do that math. And then there was the month after the confession was 2.0 because I was still, I was coping and learning to cope with my, my new life. And then, but there was more, more confession now we're in 3.0 and we're going to stay here. A few years ago, after telling uh, Marty this story, I said I wanted to kind of maybe make it make my, my make myself available because maybe there's another person who like me had secrets that they were going to take to their grave. I remember Jennifer reacting to that when I told her about how sad that sounded that I would hold on to something like that all my life. So this is what marriage looks like for us. This is 3.0 and we're just getting started and it may seem like we've been married for a long time but for us it's just been five years and we have a lot of years in front of us, and we just want you to know that there's hope. And I'm Eric Orgen, 
I'm Jennifer Borgen, and this is our comeback story. Dang it. <laughs> I love a good comeback story. I know for some of you that story is difficult to watch. Um, may bring up some emotions with some of you. Um, but I love a good comeback story and I love how we can put our scars on display in this church uh, to show how far we've come and what God has done and what God continues to do in our lives. Join me as we pray. Lord, uh, thank you for our comebacks and thank you that no one is too far gone and that anything is possible. And we thank you that um, the resurrection that we celebrated last week is the resurrection that we celebrate today, that the resurrection that you offered us last week is still being offered to us today. The comeback that we needed last week is the comeback we need today. And so, Holy Spirit, would you speak uh, to us uh, and to each of our individual stories? Because I know there are someone, there are some people here today who need a comeback, um, who need uh, to cross paths with Jesus, who will forever rewrite their future story. And so, would you come and would you speak over? Uh, us as individuals, would you enter into our time, our space, our story, our circumstances? Would you speak to us? Would you anoint the words uh, today? That they would not just be my thoughts, but that they would be uh, echoing the truth of God and the truth of redemption and the truth of hope. So um, we dedicate this next little bit to you for you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're in Luke chapter 7 today. The setting of our story is a funeral procession outside of a small town of Nain. Jesus was on a road trip. We're not told why he's going to this small town of Nain. We do know that he's coming from a town of Capernaum. Uh, and we do know that he has a large group of followers in tow, and they are celebrating and kind of in awe of the miracle that would have just happened in Capernaum where there was a miraculous healing that took place. Luke tells us that as they approached the town of Nain, as they were entering the gate, coming out of the town, now catch the imagery, as Jesus and, and, and his procession enters the gate, coming out of the gate is a funeral procession. Coming into the gate is life. Coming out of the gate is death. Moving in one direction is Jesus with his disciples and a large group of followers in tow. Moving the other direction is a large group of mourners. The funeral procession is going out. The procession of Jesus is coming in. The funeral atmosphere was one of weeping and one of crying and one of mourning. The atmosphere of Jesus' procession was one of celebration, one of awe because of the miracle that they had just witnessed. Two processions moving in opposite directions, experiencing opposite emotions, and are about to cross paths. Perhaps the wailing was 
especially intense on this day. As Luke tells us that uh, the funeral was for a young man who was the son, the only son of a widow. So the story is set up immediately and immediately the story pleads for a comeback. It's not only that the woman lost her only son, but she already had lost her husband. She was a widow, meaning that, that we're not told why, we're not told where or how, but we do know that the woman in our story has already been down this road once before. She's already been in a funeral procession, walking down the same road, going to the same cemetery, going through the same acts. She's already left her heart in the cemetery once. She's already cried down this road. She's already been with mourners. She's already done the wailing, and yet here again, on a road that she is all too familiar with. If it wasn't bad enough to go down that road once with, for her husband, now she does it again for her only son. Understand, at this time in history, women's, uh, women had uh, limited rights. Uh, often they could not own property. They could not own a business. Finding a work outside the home was often difficult, meaning, meaning that her future was limited. In the absence of your husband, if your husband died, then the responsibility of one option would fall to the oldest son to take care of his mother, to take care of the widow. But now the widow just lost her son, meaning that she was kind of in a bad situation. And she would now have to rely upon the benevolence of her community. And the community, at times when you read the New Testament, the community already had a reputation of, at times, neglecting widows. And so Luke tells us that the young man was being carried to his burial on, 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 a, on a buyer of sorts. It's a stretcher made out of wood or sometimes cloth where the body would have been laid. Uh, there wasn't a, a, a coffin. Most likely, this family wasn't a very high means, and so uh, this was a very simple funeral. And they're heading out of their town, and the body is on a stretcher of sorts, and, and coming the other way was Jesus. And so as death was going out, life is coming in. That'll be an important aspect of our story. As death was going out, life was coming in. Some of you, maybe you relate to that because there's stories in you right now, circumstances in you right now. And my prayer is, is that as death is going out, that you are about to cross life that is coming in and your story is about to cross paths with God's story perhaps you've been on your road before maybe it's the death of a dream or the death of your future perhaps you're on a road that's all too familiar to you you've been here before and you find yourself in the same circumstances again Maybe it's a road that you've placed yourself on because of your own actions, much like Eric experienced. Or maybe it's a road that someone else put you on. It has nothing to do with anything that you did. I want to remind you today that for all of our stories, as death is going out, life is coming in. And Jesus waits to cross paths with you. The mother is understandably distraught. She's lost not only her husband, but now she is burying her only son. And then something very odd happens. Luke says that as Jesus passed by the procession, that he noticed the woman, and she's in distraught, she's distraught and she's wailing, and Jesus says something very odd to her. He says, woman, don't cry. 
which is odd to me because I've done a lot of funerals and I've never told someone, stop crying. I've never stepped into that moment where I told someone, don't cry. Not something you would say to a woman who has already lost her husband and now she's lost her son. And the only reason that Jesus would step into that moment was because he knew something others did not and that her story was about to have a comeback. A mother who woke up with only knowing despair and defeat and sorrow and hopelessness, but her story was about to cross God's story, and when paths crossed, God was about to eternally rewrite her story. And my prayer is for you is that your story crosses God's story today. Luke 7 says, as death is going out, life is coming in. Jesus reached out, and he put his hand on the buyer, and he stopped it which would have been unheard of for the day because a religious leader or a rabbi would have never touched a dead body or they would be defiled, but Jesus was always blowing up social norms. And so Jesus, as, as the funeral procession is passing by, Jesus reaches out and he puts a stop to the procession because that's what Jesus does. And he looks at the woman and says, woman, stop your crying. He looks at the mourners and tells them, stop their mourning. The the, the implied to the pallbearers, stop your journey because there will be no burial today. And maybe that's the word that some of us need to hear in our own circumstances, in our own lives, that there will be no burial today. And then Jesus lifted up his eyes and he looked at the, the, the young man and he says, he says, young man, rise. And scripture says that this young man, we don't know his age, but the young man is what it's referred to, actually sits up and begins to speak. It doesn't say what he said. I'm gathering it would be something like, where's my phone? Probably something like that is what, is what we would guess. But began to speak. And, and, and then it says that Jesus gave the son back to his mother. And I love the imagery that Jesus took the son and gave him back to his mother. And what was really happening was Jesus was giving back a woman her life. He was giving back a woman her future. He was giving her back her hope. And isn't that what Jesus does for us today? That he gives us back what was lost? Gives us back what was stolen? A widow was minutes away. We don't know how long, but the cemetery would not have been very far off. She was minutes away from putting her son in a cave or dropping him in a hole where he would have his final resting place. Minutes away from this chapter of life coming to a tragic end. But Jesus appears at the right time, at the right place, in the right circumstances, and basically proclaims there will be no burial today. And so let me ask. As we wrap up this entire comeback series, what is it today that is carrying you to your burial? What is it today that is carrying you to your death? What does that look like for you? See, it may not be like Eric's story, or it may be exactly like Eric's story. What is it in you? See, there were times in my life not too long ago, and I've shared this before with you, where where I I was struggling with depression and 
the church world has a way of uh, ramping up the adrenaline and you feel good and then the adrenaline crashes. And it ramps up and you feel good and it crashes. And I started to notice that when I would go to bed at night, I, I, I would notice that, that my tank is perpetually getting lower and lower and lower until I remember laying in bed one night thinking that if something doesn't change, I'm not going to make it. I was being carried out to my death, meaning I would not have made it as a pastor because I was already thinking through that maybe I just need to step out of this would not have made it as a good husband, as a good father? What is it in your life that is carrying you to your burial? Can you be honest with your story today? Maybe, maybe it's, a, it's, it's a toxic relationship. Maybe it's a relationship that's keeping you from being the person that you want to be and it keeps pulling you further and further away. And maybe today is the day that Jesus passes by your story and he puts his hand on your chest and he says, stop. There'll be no burial today. Maybe it has something to do with an addiction and that you swear that you're going to overcome it, but you never overcome it, and it's always the same. And maybe today Jesus puts his hand on your head, and he says, stop. I'm not saying you have an addiction. You're just here. At the... <laughs> what is it that is carrying you to your death? Maybe it's a mindset that you're struggling with, and, 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 and you've been overwhelmed and swallowed up with a hopeless thought life that tells you you're not going to make it, it's never going to get better, and you go to bed and you wake up in the same depression, in the same state, and you just can't shake it, and it's carrying you to your death, and maybe today Jesus puts his hand on your shoulder and says, stop, there'll be no burial today. What does it look like for you? Where do you need to cross paths with Jesus? Because the same Jesus of yesterday is the same Jesus of today. And it is his desire to cross your story with his story. And as death is going out, life is coming in. And isn't this what the comeback series has been about? That Jesus enters into our story of death and brings us life. And isn't that what you crave? Isn't that what all of us crave? Something in us needs to be resurrected. And would today be the day that Jesus crosses your path and says, Stop! There'll be no burial today. And I don't know what that means for your story. Maybe there is a sin issue. Maybe there is something in your life that you've been playing with, but containment has been lost, and you think you're going to contain it, but it's just over time, you're leading closer, moving closer and closer to the edge. And maybe today is the day that Jesus puts his hand on your stretcher of death and says, stop. And if you'll turn around, you can start a new journey with me going the other direction. Several weeks ago, I talked this idea of the good shepherd and Jesus proclaims himself to be the good shepherd and he says that the good shepherd calls out to his sheep and his sheep listen and they respond and then he brings his sheep to life and to abundance but then he says don't be deceived there are other voices that are competing for your attention 
They are the voice of confusion and the voice of a spiritual enemy that lures you to your burial. And that step off that cliff, whatever your cliff is, it doesn't happen in one giant leap. It's one small step that leads to a path. One small step that leads to a road. One small step that leads to a highway. This is Eric's story. Until one day you step over the edge. Listen, what, 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 does, that, what does that mean for you today? See, I, 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 my hope is, is that you would take some time to evaluate your own life. And when you lie down at night and when everything's quiet and when the stir is gone, you know what's carrying you to your burial. You know what needs to be resurrected. But unless you're willing to cross paths with Jesus and willing to allow him to reach out and touch you, your funeral procession will continue. Listen to how Luke wraps this up. I'm going to take it out of the message because I love how uh, Eugene Peterson put it. He said, Then they all realized they were in a place of holy mystery, that God was at work among them, and they quietly worshipped, and then noisily grateful, calling out among themselves, God is back looking to the needs of his people, and the news of Jesus spread throughout the country. This is according to the Gospel of Luke. I told you before that gospel simply means good news. You know what the good news is? Three words up there. God is back. That's the good news for us. That is the good news for his church. That the resurrection that we celebrated last week is the resurrection that continues today. And so among these people who saw a funeral procession coming out as the procession of Jesus was going in and there was a collision and all the people came away saying the same thing. God is back and my hope for you at the end of this comeback series is that you can say because you've experienced the comeback king yourself that you would be able to say god is back in my story some of you should have responded better to that than you just did i love i love how they wrapped up this whole thing As people are coming out to death, Jesus is coming into life. And so I leave you with that today. Hey, that was Anthony's story. Remember Anthony's story on week one? Where he was considering suicide. And Jesus passed him by and put his hand on his chest and said, Stop. There'll be no burial today. And many of you have a story that's exactly like that. And some of you... You're craving for the story. And I believe that your comeback is closer than you think. But it's going to take you aligning yourself with the comeback king who's crossing paths with your story. Amen? Amen. Stand with me. I know today wasn't a heavily involved message when I gave the PowerPoint to the AV people. They're like, one slide? Like, what's up with that? I'm like, one slide. We're just wrapping things up today. Next week, we start a new series. I want to pray for you. So just gather yourself into an attitude of, of prayer right now. 
Forget about lunch. Forget about the person next to you. Just enter into an attitude of prayer, an attitude of listening, an attitude of receiving. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? If you don't dismiss it, he's going to speak to you. He's going to tell you what it is that's carrying you to your funeral. What's carrying you to your death. The Holy Spirit speak to us. For some, maybe it's a, a pattern of thinking that has come on slowly and you've just become a hopeless individual. You've allowed your thoughts to run away with you. You've allowed thoughts of despair to just cover you in the situation. And, and, and let today be the day that Jesus passes you by and says, Stop. There'll be no burial today. Maybe for some of you, maybe, maybe it's something you need to repent over. Maybe it's something you need to confess. Maybe it's something you need to get some counseling over or some help over. The promise is that Jesus will walk through this journey with you. But today can be the start of your comeback. Holy Spirit, would you come? Just remain in an attitude of prayer. Invite the Holy Spirit in, into your circumstance, into your story. What might the Holy Spirit be speaking to you, speaking to our church? pray life to be upon this church. These are not just people that I pastor, God. These are people that I do life with and people that I know, either know them well or getting to know. And I want to see their stories flourish. And I believe that you're fighting for them. I believe that you're fighting for them. You're fighting for their comeback. You're fighting for our resurrection. You're, you're fighting for a new story and a new chapter in all of our lives. Would you show us, maybe in our mind's eye, would you show our paths crossing and you reaching out and bringing our funeral procession to a halt? and turning us around on a new journey of life and abundance and hope. I leave you with that church that your comeback, King, is near. 
I bless you to experience a new chapter in your story. In the name of Jesus, our comeback and risen King, amen, amen. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this series. God bless you. Uh, I look forward to seeing you next week. If you need prayer, come on down. We'll have someone that would pray for you. If you're a guest, I'd love to meet you. God bless you. Next week, we start a new series. I look forward to seeing you then.